millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the first podcast of the month, which means it's all about you. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where this week we turn the focus to you, your questions and your experiences. Now, we love hearing from you. So the first podcast of every month is dedicated to you, dear listener. Just like last month's special, we'll also be featuring some of our paranormal groups and the evidence that you have collected. So let's kick off with Chris, who got in touch after listening to our last listener special, where he questioned why there is a drop in temperature when there is a spirit present. He says, in response to Yvette's question, why does it go cold when spirits are around? Well, heat energy is often heard when talking about the heat death of the universe. This equates to energy death. Heat is the energy or particles moving more speedily in an object. In general, when two objects are brought into thermal contact, heat will flow between them until they come into equilibrium with each other. When a temperature difference does exist, heat flows spontaneously from the warmer system to the colder system. Heat transfer occurs by conduction or by thermal radiation. And when the flow of heat stops, they're said to be at the same temperature. They are then said to be in thermal equilibrium. So when it goes cold from spiritual intervention, it's because the spirit draws heat, energy from the environment or from you. Absolutely agree with all of this, Chris, and thank you very, very much for responding. I really believe, I really do, that spirits need energy to cause activity of any kind. Where that energy comes from, it can come from humans, electrical objects or electrical particles that we cannot see. And the more energy pumped out into the atmosphere, the more activity we can experience. Now we have a listener experience from Tracy who shares her experience at the Jamaica Inn. Hi Yvette, I'm Tracy from Cornwall. You could say I've developed a love-hate relationship with Jamaica Inn over the years. It began in the early 1980s when my dad took our family to visit Jamaica Inn. This would be my first visit to the inn, but certainly not my last. The first visit wasn't to do with a ghost or spirit, but rather something very real and alive. I must have been seven or eight and remember very vividly being greeted by a loud squawking parrot as you entered the main inn door. This parrot would shriek and yell at you as you walked by and make people jump out of their skin. I was always quite a timid child 
and I've always had a love for animals. The parrot scared me, but even at that young age, I couldn't help but feel sorry for it. Being caged up like that couldn't have been much fun. And I think I would have yelled at passers-by if that were me. Years later, must have been early 2000s, I returned to Jamaica for my second visit, this time ready to be greeted by a noisy parrot, and this time bracing myself for the squawk. This time, however, though, the parrot had gone. My then partner and I were trying to decide whether or not to have a meal at the inn, but as we approached the restaurant area near the back of the inn, I started to feel light-headed and nauseous. Now, this wasn't alcohol-induced, as we hadn't ordered any drinks yet. I looked into the restaurant and noticed a black cat make its way from right to left, making eye contact with me as it slowly slinked along its way. I remember turning to my partner and muttered, We have to leave. Now. I recall telling him I felt sick and needed to get out into the fresh air. After I had composed myself outside, he gazed at me with a puzzled look and said, What the hell was all that about? I explained the feeling that I had experienced in seeing the black cat staring back at me. He thought that I had gone mad, as he had not experienced anything that I had just gone through, not even seeing the cat. Now you would have thought that perhaps that last experience might have put me off returning to Jamaica Inn, but no, I returned for another visit about five years ago. Myself, my now husband and our friend have been on one of our weekend hikes, this weekend, we decided to do a hike on Bodmin Moor. Strangely, I've always had an affinity with Bodmin Moor and a feeling of belonging. My family have Cornish descent. We originate from a village called Weeks St Mary in North Cornwall, and many of our ancestors were from the villages of St Clever and Laneast, which neighbour Belventer, where Jamaica Inn lies. My brother, who is a local historian and genealogist, has traced our family back hundreds of years. In fact, a John Colwell was landlord at Jamaica Inn for at least two decades in the 1800s. John Colwell was born in North Petherwin in Cornwall, and like our Colwell ancestors, also had roots in Week St Mary. My brother believes that our common ancestor would have been born in the 1500s and is currently researching further into what relation he could possibly be to us. I shall keep you posted a vet on that one. Anyway, getting back to my third visit to Jamaica Inn. We had just completed a hike on Bodmin Moor. It was a lovely summer's day and a Sunday. My husband and our friend were craving a Sunday roast, and the nearest pub for miles was Jamaica Inn. Now, I must say, I was a little apprehensive at first, but thought, no, I must go and face whatever this is head on. Anyway, we entered the inn and made our way to the restaurant area again at the back of the inn. Once again, a feeling of lightheadedness and sickness fell over me. This time, however, I did not see the black cat. My companions were dumbfounded as I turned to them and muttered, I can't go in, I feel sick. For a couple of reasons, I managed to remain in the inn and not flee outside again. One, I didn't want to cause a scene. And two, I felt a little sorry for the guys as they really were really hungry and they really wanted a roast. I suggested we stay in the inn but move to the bar area. That way they could still have their roast. I felt too sick to eat still at this at this point, um, so we all ordered a drink. None of us actually had a meal that day at Jamaica Inn. We all had a quick drink and left. They have never let me forget it. A few years ago, I found myself frequenting Jamaica Inn again for my fourth visit. This time, I was joined by work colleagues. 
We were on our way back from a course in Exeter and they decided that we should go and have a meal in Jamaica Inn on the way through. This time I did actually manage to eat a meal but not before I made everyone sit in the bar area first and not go near the restaurant area. We all sat at a table by the window at the front. Of course I must have put my colleagues on edge as I explained my experiences on previous visits as one of the guys came back from the loo stating the pipes were shaking and making a noise, probably trying to be funny and to scare us all. I, of course, now I'm home my husband and our friend Mia Maker in, and they have never let me forget the day we didn't have a lovely roast there, and the fact I've now actually eaten there really winds them up. Jamaica Inn has so much history and atmosphere. I absolutely love the place, even though it makes me feel sick. I can't explain for sure why I have these feelings at the inn, Maybe it's John Colwell making his presence known to me. Or maybe it's just an oversensitive old Cornish maid. Who knows? I wouldn't say I'm a true believer, but I have witnessed quite a few odd experiences over the years and all here in Cornwall that I can't explain and say for sure they weren't paranormal. I will always believe, though, that there is something else out there, beyond our existence, something that we just don't understand yet, but sometimes little snippets of this other existence creeps into our own little world. Hi Tracy and thank you so much for sharing your experiences with me. Uh, I love Cornwall and me and my family spend a lot of time there. I think there's something rather magical and mystical about that place. Uh, why that would be, I'm not too sure, but I'm sure somebody listening is bound to tell me. Now it's strange how you felt queasy and unwell every time you tried to enter the restaurant area. Now I have been an investigator the Jamaica Inn and none of the crew experienced anything that you did. So I'm presuming like your brother, that you have some kind of connection to the building and the land. Please let me know what your brother discovers. As for the Jamaica Inn, it's certainly an interesting building and has had its fair share of intrigue and mysteries over the years. I remember being in the boiler room of all places. I remember this because we'd been in every room in the Jamaica Inn and I remember being really disappointed because not much had happened. But then someone suggested that we go to the boiler room where nothing had been experienced or uh, written about historically. There were no eyewitness accounts of any hauntings whatsoever. But in we trade in we all squeezed into this little boiler room which was really grimy and it was filled with tools and bits and pieces some of the ceiling was falling in uh, it was really quite a horrible place but as soon as we walked in the atmosphere oh it was just immense it was almost it was like sticky and thick like you were walking through mud and I, I, I remember thinking my hearing feels like someone's got something like I've got earmuffs on it, it was really really strange um and I remember when we were in there, we started calling out and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> uh, but I can't help but laugh and giggle when I think about this because I have this immense memory of poor Stuart shouting, get out, get out, get out, at the top of his voice and seeing his legs shaking in fear as he stood in the centre of the room. Well, we all did scramble out of there. And the reason why we scrambled out of there was because for some reason, a massive 
plank of wood or a big block of wood had been thrown at us. But of course, it's dark, so we couldn't work out what it was. And then something else was thrown and something else was thrown. And we have to remember when people say, oh, you're throwing stuff yourselves, you're faking it, which is really annoying because I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on, it's in the middle of the night, it's pitch black, we only have night vision cameras. And of course, in those early days, those night vision cameras weren't very good at all. Sometimes you just couldn't see your hand in front of your face. So to start throwing sharp and hard and very heavy objects at people's heads would be really stupid and very, very dangerous and something uh, we just didn't do. So we couldn't explain where these things were coming from and it was really frightening. So one, no wonder why poor Stuart was screaming for us all to get out. And we did. Um, but Stuart did remain frozen to the spot. <laughs> Sorry. The fear was absolutely etched on his face and you can watch that episode. I'm sure you can find that somewhere. Uh, of course, these were the early days of Most Haunted. And so when poltergeist activity began to happen in front of us, we were absolutely terrified and yet extremely excited. We also caught up with Skeptic from the group Opuck Paranormal, Will Blake. He shares some of the happenings that led to his belief in the paranormal. Well, I'm joined on the show now by Will Blake, who's from Opuck Paranormal. Will, welcome to the show. Uh, an absolute Hello. delight having you on. Um, tell us about Opuck Paranormal, how it started. I, I'm, I love hearing these stories. Go on. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't a founder member. It was, it, was run, it was a group that was run in Salisbury by my uh, friend Nick Salt. I, I joined it uh, after I arranged uh, for Opuck to do an investigation in one of the disused wards where I used to work for a, in a mental health uh, facility in Salisbury. And uh, I arranged for them to come in and, as I say, do an investigation in one of the very old disused buildings that was there. So that's how I got involved with it all. And what made you, um, you know, contact, you know, um, Opuck and say, come on, you need to come and investigate this place. Was it was it eyewitnesses that things happened to you specifically? Well, it was the other way around, really. They knew oh, that right. I, they knew that, um, I was probably in a, in a situation where I could make the arrangements for them. Mm. I was always interested, so I was only too pleased to do it. But I sort of attached the condition that I uh, went along to keep an eye on things. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how it worked, really. Yeah. So had you always been intrigued with the paranormal? Um, I've been intrigued in anything that I don't really understand, you know, asking, mm. keep asking why until you get an answer, really. I worked for several years until I retired uh, with older people people with dementia in particular, and we used to do end-of-life care. So I was constantly sort of surrounded by um, people who were dying. Through that experience, I looked at things like near-death experience and so on. So it was a small step, really, from there to uh, becoming involved in something like OPAC, yeah. And what I know people are going to be saying, oh, gosh, you know, what sort of experiences did you have? We're always intrigued to hear about, um, I love near-death experience um, stories. Mm. I'm always looking mm. online and I find them fascinating, especially when one correlates with another. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I love those. Um, do you have a particular story that, you know, fascinated you and, you you know, or you you were, were there at the end of somebody's life and, yes. you know, they yes. looked up and spoke and talked of their long-lost relative that have come into the room to collect them perhaps? Well, it was. Um, I've had experience since that with members of my own family, but it was really much more subtle than that, really. I was actually taking somebody's pulse when they died. And 
I, I started to ask myself questions, you know, why then? Why at that moment? Why not a minute ago or an hour's time? There are many stories from other members of staff. Of, if you've ever spoken to nurses, they're full of stories of a very superstitious bunch, you might say. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> like to leave you know, the window open, the don't window they? Open. Somebody, There's all yes, these sort of stories. Right. Yes, that's what I was told, yeah. But I, I, I never, ever saw or experienced anything uh, what what you might label paranormal in that situation. It was just the fact that it raised so many questions with me, that, that particular experience. And of course, what I find fascinating about you, Will, and I'm sure there are many things that are fascinating <laughs> about you, but one of them is the fact you mentioned at the beginning that you, you know, your background is in mental health. And of course, yeah. um, we both know what it's like, don't we, when we're, you know, in the dark, you're, you know, trying yes. to contact the dead and so on. And then something you know, a big noise is made or a carving knife is thrown at you or something yeah. like that, something really frightening. And because of your background in mental health, this helped you understand perhaps um, certain members of a group and their responses, you know, flight or fright or, you know, what's yes, going exactly. on there. Yeah. So yeah. what what did you sort of um, glean from, from, from those experiences? Well, it was, I think I was probably useful to the group in the, res- in the respect of giving a, an alternative explanation to some of the things that people experience that they might label as paranormal. Mm. Uh, I think in terms of, you talk about things like psychic attack, for instance. Now, the first investigation I went on, people, there was, was a large group and there was quite a lot of people who, who described what they were experiencing as psychic attack. Well, I saw it more as, you know, as a, as a stress reaction, you know, the, the pumping of adrenaline and so on. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying... It wasn't psychic attack, but I just felt that I was able to perhaps, uh, you know, give a give a an alternative view. But also, it was useful in terms of examining my own sort of responses to situations. I remember being somewhere where um, I'm not. I'm sure. You, I'm, well, I know you've experienced this because I've seen you on television. Experiences <laughs> the idea well, you're not actually seeing or hearing anything, but this just sense of dread about yes. certain certain rooms where you think, well, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm finding that very difficult <laughs> mm. to cross cross that threshold, you know, uh, and you could say, well, okay, well, is that paranormal or is it merely, again, sort of def- a mental defense mechanism protecting me from potential harm? So it was about looking at other people and maybe giving them a different perspective on things, but also examining my own responses as well. It's fascinating, isn't it? And then I remember when I first started investigating um, haunted locations, and I remember finding out about the corner of the eye phenomena and and understanding how the eye works, you know, in daytime. I mean, you're probably better explaining this to me, so if I mess up, please butt in. Um, so no, in the daytime, I'm a psychiatric nurse. <laughs> I'm a psychiatric nurse. <laughs> Trust me. Honestly, I have a terrible way of explaining things. So okay. um, in the daytime, tell me if I'm wrong, we have rods and cones in our, in our yes, eyes, right. I'm, in layman's terms, you know, rods and cones in our eyes. And then when it gets dark for sort of, you know, going back to, I suppose, when we had to really look after ourselves and, you know, go out and hunt for meat and so on, um, you know, at nighttime, our field of vision would become um, more open. So the scope hmm. of of, um, of our field of vision to the side was more open. So if anything was going to come and attack us, we would be able to see it. And so, of course, because we we're not used to that in the daytime. Then you're plunged into darkness in an alleged haunted location. You think you see out of the corner of your eye something moving, yeah. but actually it isn't. It's more rods and cones that you're yes. not used to seeing in the daytime, hence corner of the eye phenomena. And you yeah, do yeah. get 
an awful lot of that. And I love learning about the new, you know, biological ways yes. that our system and our bodies and our brains react to things in, 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 a, in a different setting. And I yeah. think you bringing your expertise along to an investigation, I think that's fantastic. I yeah. really, really do. Well, yeah. I, I always used to have this thing that I used to say to myself, you know, in, in situations where, you know, where you're beginning to <laughs> get that sense of dread or, you know, mm. uh, your, your, your breathing gets a little bit faster or whatever. And you think, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? And then I used to ask myself, well, how should I feel? How should I feel at two o'clock in the morning in a cellar in an ex-mental uh, health facility uh, with a Ouija board in front of me, you know, uh, it's freezing cold. You shouldn't be singing the sound of music, should you? You know, it's, it's only natural. <laughs> <laughs> it's only natural that you should be you should be yeah. experiencing negative emotions and negative feelings. So yeah. yeah, but I would say that I'm not, you know, I'm not a denier. I mean, I keep an open mind. I would also say there are times when I've been really scared. <laughs> Tell so me the, about. Tell me about that. Well, in particular, this, uh, this idea of you know uh, when you can't when the, when things aren't happening really, but you, you just get this awful sense of horror. <laughs> uh, you know, you think, well, I'm not. I really don't want to go in that room. I really don't want to go in there. Um, when things were happening, when things were moving, I used to just find that interesting. I, I never used to bother me. In, I never used to spook me at all. Mm. Um, which. I don't, I don't know if people might find that surprising or not, but I used to go into sort of observational mode. You know, I, I mean, I, I was used to working in situations that were very, as you can imagine, emotionally charged. And in fact, being able to be the one who manages those sort of situations. So all that used to kick in. So when the table used to start tipping over and things, I just used to think, all right, let's have a look and see mm. <laughs> see what's going on here, you know, see if anybody's knee is lifting it up or whatever yeah. or, you know. So uh, that, that was the other side to it, that the fact that I was used to dealing with, you know, as I say, difficult and um, challenging situations, I was able perhaps just to take a, a step back a little way. And have a look. So I want you to give me some advice. Oh, goodness me. <clears throat> yeah. Are, are we give... still in the realms of the paranormal? Here? We are. <laughs> we are. I, I need you to give me some advice. Okay. okay. So I am, um, this weekend, I am mm -hmm. going to do an investigation uh, right. for Most Haunted Experience at Shrewsbury mm -hmm. Prison. Now, I've right. been there many, 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 many times over the years, and I've um, witnessed all sorts of of manner of things that cannot be explained logically. So, yeah, I've seen some um, of those, yeah. yes. Um, so, and the weird thing is, is that we do get phenomena when there are lots of us together, um, because this is a, an event with members of the public. They come along with right, us, okay. but we are filming for an American uh, TV channel, and we're, right. it's just myself and Carl, and we're filming just the two of us. Now, I am absolutely, to put it politely cacking myself because I know, and this is the difference, I know that that place, when there is two or maybe three of you, mm. all hell breaks loose. Mm. And it's absolutely petrifying. And I'm dreading it. I'm abs I can't tell you, I could cry with the thought of going into that place. Um, if there's a big group, not at all bothered. And it's very, it's mostly quite quiet. 
like I say, it's like you get picked off. Um, one of the uh, things that many people remember is me narrowly getting smashed in the head with a crowbar. Um, mm, you know, snooker yeah. balls. I took yeah, I took my yeah. mother there once, and uh, um, um, snooker balls were flying around. Um, it, and it, it's because it, because things in there can harm you. That I'm not bothered about hearing a voice or a door slamming, mm. it's being physically harmed. Yes, and that's yes. what I'm frightened about. What advice can you give me <laughs> so I keep my oh stuff my together? Me. Come oh, on now. Well, get, give oh. me a good good frame of mind to be brave on the weekend. Well, there's nothing wrong with not being brave, surely. You know, I mean, as, as I said before, it's not about um, how you – you have to accept that, you know, that you potentially are at risk, really. I mean, that's mm. not dread it happening assume it is going to happen and prepare that way, really. I mean, we, I used to do work with debriefing after serious incidents and so on. One of the things that people used to have problems with was the idea, oh, my goodness me, I'll have to avoid that because it might happen again. Where up to a point you have to also almost sort of innocuous, inoculate yourself against that by saying, well, it probably will happen again. So let me think about some strategies when it happens, what I'm going to do. Do you know what? I'm being serious here. I think I might put a crash helmet on. That will make me <laughs> well, feel. Why not? <laughs> I'll look a plonker, but at least my head will be safe. <laughs> Can I just say, Will uh, Blake from OPUC Paranormal, thank you so very much for joining You're us. Very um, welcome. And please keep us up to date if you get anything paranormal and you're happy to share it with us uh, and uh, everybody listening that would be amazing and thank you so much for the advice i'll let you know how i get on <laughs> my pleasure i'll be watching if i can jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Stay tuned when we speak to Out There Paranormal, but first, another listener question from WhatsApp. I have a lot of questions about ghosts. 
uh, that perhaps you can answer. If they can become the shape of somebody they are not and read your mind and travel um, and see everything that we do, all of which you've suggested, uh, how can you ever be sure that you're in contact with a loved one? Also, if a person crosses over, are they gone? Is it only those who can't or won't cross over that we can speak with? If so, why has your dad not crossed over? I think my mum has. She was all around me for months and I was wrapped in a feeling of love that I know was her. But then I dreamed she went away and the feeling went. She said goodbye and joined the sea breeze. So I think maybe she can hear us or maybe has gone to reincarnate. So what do I think to this? Well, thank you very much uh, for the question. And it's a really good one. And you're quite right. Spirits can pretend to be a loved one. That's why you have to be really careful when trying to contact them. For instance, if you're involved in a Ouija board sitting and let's say your grandmother comes through, always have in your mind questions that only she will know the answer to. And when you ask them, think the incorrect answer because, believe it or not, they can read your mind. And if the correct answers come through, then I believe you're talking and communicating with your loved one. There are some very mischievous spirits that love nothing more than to play tricks and have fun at your expense. And so they will pretend to be a loved one. And this is why you have to be very guarded and be very, very careful. We think so differently here on this plane and cannot conceive being able to be in multiple places at the same time. Well, this is what happens when you pass on. Your soul is timeless and infinite. My dad has crossed over, but has the ability, as do many other billions of spirits, uh, to be able to be with me and possibly other members of the family all at the same time. Incomprehensible to us, I know. Now, your mum has crossed over, but she can still see and she can still hear you. It sounds crazy, I know, but the spirits have confirmed this to be true and I believe what they're telling me. Um, so if you do try to contact a loved one, remember to ask many, many questions and also go with your gut. That's very, very important. Go with your gut. If you don't feel right, they're not the right spirit that you're talking to. So remember that. Now, let's close things off with our chat with Nigel and Juliet from Out There Paranormal. I'm absolutely thrilled today because joining me on the show is Nigel Higgins and Juliet Smith, and they are from, uh, they have a YouTube channel and uh, a podcast, both entitled the same. They're from Out There. So if you fancy uh, logging on the YouTube channel or listening to their podcast, then it's called Out There. Please do so. Welcome to the show, Nigel and Juliet. Hello, Hello, thank you very much. Now, tell me all about Out There. It's a, it's a paranormal group, yes? Yes, we're a paranormal group and we're based in Norfolk in the UK. We've been investigating on or off since about 2008. Um, we have a team of five members, but currently there's only two of us that are actually doing anything, which is the two people that you've got with you at the moment. Now, what I find fascinating about you two lovely people is not only are you lovely, which isn't fascinating, I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> um, is that, Nigel, you're a sceptic. I am, yes. Yeah. Juliet is a psychic. Indeedy. So how does that work then when you're working together? Just explain it to me. Okay. Um, are you sceptic? This is a terrible thing to say. Are you sceptic in a loose term? I'm an open-minded sceptic. So good, good, good. That's a good one, yeah. Any evidence that I get... 
um, we'll question it. We'll look at it. We'll see if we can find a, a good explanation for it. Um, if we can't find an explanation for it, then we'll put it down as something paranormal. So that's why we do it. And what the hell was that noise? That's that, my paranormal noise. That's <laughs> Juliet's phone. <laughs> Have you just crossed your legs? Is that what that is, Juliet? For goodness sake. <laughs> we try so hard to turn all our phones off and everything. No, keep it together. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. But it, it works... It works really, really well because, as Nigel has said, he's very open-minded and Nigel does all our research and I do the weird and wonderful sensing when we do investigations. And it's really nice for me as well because I can get validation on, you know, investigations that we've done because Nigel will go away and do all the research and he will either tell me that I'm incredibly, terribly accurate or I'm terribly stupid and got it completely wrong. So it goes one way or the other, but we bounce off each other with ideas as well. We do, yeah, yeah. And we're sort of both pretty yeah. much on the same wavelength with things, aren't we? So we're interested in the same sort of things as well. Yeah. Um, when I do the research, I don't tend to tell you anything at all until after the event. No, because I don't it's want mean to like that. I don't get to find anything <laughs> else. Sometimes I won't even tell you where we're going. Until we get there, <laughs> I know because then that way, then you can't look at it yourself <laughs> beforehand, and you get no sort of prior information. Um, to me, it's much more accurate doing things like that. But we also like to sort of thoroughly research what we do as well and share that information with people too. So it's yeah. not a simple case of going out and just investigating. We're likely to tell you the stories behind the, the places history. we're investing. That's right, because to There's us, it's so much history, part and parcel of it. It's very, very important to share that side of things as well. And we're so lucky in the United Kingdom as well because we've got. So so much history to share. Yeah, yeah absolutely loads. You yeah. know, we're incredibly lucky. So tell me about the investigation at a particular church. This Now, now oh, this, this is interesting yes. stuff. So start at the beginning and tell me all about, as if you were doing it all over again, t- you know, <laughs> set the okay. stage for us. <laughs> right. What we like to do, um, we very much love to share the things that we do. So we're always sort of looking at how we can sort of make a short video series or something like that. And I came up with this idea to do a series called Tales from Haunted Norfolk, where we take local folklore stories or ghost tales, tell the stories themselves, and then go and investigate the locations so we've got a church it's actually about two miles away from where i live at martham a church called uh, st mary's church east Somerton. so we decided to tell the folklore story about a witch with a wooden leg who's buried underneath the church because she was like put on trial by the local population they decided that she needs to be buried under the church because she's wicked and all this kind of stuff and from her wooden leg this tree grows up and knocks the church down mm. Obviously, it's just a great folklore story, but people go and investigate the site and they tell stories of seeing monks there, hearing monks chanting and having monks wandering around poking people. So I was fascinated why it's a church. Why would there be monks? Because churches and monks don't tend to go together. No. So I then told the story about the witch's leg, went on to talk about monks, and then we went decided to go and do the investigation to sort of follow up on it. And uh, we didn't get what we expected at all, did we? We really didn't. No. <laughs> no. It was it was really fascinating. Um, what we found most fascinating was we got things happening on prompt, on request. Yeah, we have we take as as most groups do, we've got various bits and pieces of, of electronic equipment. We yeah. don't we don't overload ourselves with tech because 
um, a lot of the time you're concentrating more looking at what your things are doing rather than concentrating on the surroundings. And as Jules is more psychic, she tends to concentrate on the feel of the place. And then I run a few basic bits and pieces to see what I can pick up. I've got a meter called a Trifield EM. It's a natural uh, EMF meter that picks up DC fields. Normally I turn this thing on and nothing happens. We turn it on and we're talking and we're actually getting responses on this That's, meter. Yeah. And We've never had that. Never before. had that. It's never actually done that. It's no. never actually. We said on one of the occasions we said to it, um, you could hear voices. Mm-hmm. And um, I then said, would you like to talk to us? And the meter went off. Yeah. On command. And the second one we got, we've recorded both of these, and I think I've sent the files through to you so you can share them if you want to. Um, the second one was we were talking to it and it kept buzzing. And I just said, you know, could you please stop that? And it turned and off. It stopped, and it yeah. was just, yeah, so strange. But the K2's not. It's a natural field. K2's read uh, man made fields. Of course. That's why. Okay, do you want to leave it alone? Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Hear a voice. Just background noise. Trying to say something to you. It's hard to. If you're trying to speak. Thank you. But the K2 is not. It's a natural field. K2s read uh, man-made fields. Of course. That's why. Okay, do you want to leave it alone? <gasps> Shit. Thank you. That was Thank amazing. You. Thank you so much. You see, now listening to that there, me being a, a um, well, I'm a believer, but I, I, I don't know how I describe my, myself. I can be a bit naughty, really, because I'll look at things and then really disappoint people. <laughs> No, that's absolutely fine. That's fine. Because we're always open to that. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just putting the question out there. Could it could it have been with an an awful lot of the electronic devices that are used, could that not have been a just a coincidence? There is always that possibility. I said that. We have to I mean we would we would throw that in and say what we tend to say to people is use your own judgment. We'll give you the evidence. This is what we've heard, this is the experience we had. Use your own judgment. It could well exactly, be just yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. The thing with this meter is, um, the good thing about it is it's not like using a K2. It's not set off by mobile phones. It's not set off by other electronic desi- devices. It actually just reads naturally occurring fields. The thing that we were looking at was, and we mentioned it in the video we got of this, could it have been an insect that set it off? Yes, because I said, could it have been a daddy, a long, daddy legs long legs or something? Yeah. But um, we've actually, we were filming the meter at the time and there's nothing near it. There's so. nothing there. No. But no. Juliet, what were you picking up at the same time? Were you, were you was, picking up yeah. on, on a presence? I absolutely was. I was picking up on a male who really wasn't comfortable with a female being there. No. Um, 
I picked up on him um, wandering around. I got um, what I felt was pulled, my hood pulled, um, and he was hovering around me. There wasn't anything malicious or anything unpleasant. It was, it was all. It was very much. What are you doing here? And he was very desperate to communicate. And at one part in our um, video, I actually had to leave because it was getting just a little bit too much. Um, when I get sensations of something trying to mediate with me or contact using me, um, you know, I don't like doing it. I avoid it and I will walk out of the area when they get a little bit too close to me. Um, I will tend to distance myself. But this particular gentleman was very, very keen to communicate. He, to me, he looked like a monk, but at the time I didn't think he was a monk. Interesting. Um, so I was a bit confused by that, but he had a monk's kind of attire. Now, Nigel can shed a bit of light on this because I was a bit thrown at the time. Yeah. What I actually found out by, by digging into the research, I found out that um, local to the site was a place called St. Leonard's and it's a leper hospital. Now, lepers uh, actually were put into these places, but they lived a monastic lifestyle. So effectively, they were like monks. Mm. St. Leonard's has a bit of reputation because um, the prior in charge of it actually took advantage of the lepers there. And in 1271, the lepers actually rioted, killed his dog that he'd used to actually attack and kill one of the lepers and threw the prior out. And you sensed I picked up on the that atmosphere of the fighting there, mm -hmm. didn't you? And the fact that they didn't want you there because he, the prior was inviting his own friends in and they were stealing the lepers' goods and they were drinking their beer because they got a beer allowance. So, yeah, it's just so strange. You wouldn't think that a little isolated country church with nothing around it, all of a sudden you start digging through the history, you suddenly find these elements and you think, wow, I didn't know anything about that. That's yeah. really, really strange. And it, isn't it wonderful when you, you know, Juliet, you'll be coming up with information and then Nigel, you'll be sort of like going off and finding out the history. Um, and isn't it absolutely fantastic when you 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 have a hit it's i love you, it isn't it amazing because they, yeah. if you you grow in confidence don't you and you think no this you know we're on the right track what i'm getting and sensing i'm 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 right i, I you know and then you know it, nigel you must have an absolute oh my god what juliet said is right and it's it's marvelous feeling isn't it it is indeed i absolutely sometimes it astounds me because she'll say something and i'm like how did you know that? Where did that come well, from? Well, I don't know either. Because I've I've found I mean, it yeah, in the I, archives. I'm like, there's no because I no. I'm very good at researching. Um, yeah. I can dig really really deep into archives, and I will sort of go out and about and, and visit places and look through archives to find things. And I found stuff hidden deep in archives that you've said, and I'm like, well, how did you know that? And I'm fascinated yeah. as to how I can do what I do because I think when people look at psychics or, or people that have the so-called abilities I think there's a lot of expectation they expect us to know everything and I'll be the first one to put my hands up and say I have absolutely no idea how it happens and where it comes from and I've been able to do this since I was four or five years old mm. you know when I was I was brought up in a, a, a very old farmhouse um, in East Anglia, which was incredibly haunted at the time. Well, it still is, I think. Yeah. But there was a lot of happenings in that place. There was poltergeist activity and all kinds of weird and wonderful things happened. And ever since my first encounter, I've just been fascinated 
And it's just got the more I do it, the stronger it gets. And I do find if I don't investigate or use my abilities, they go very, very quiet on me. What do you say to people, um, you know, because me and my team, we get it um, as well. And most paranormal groups get it, I'm sure. I'm Mm. sure. But when they people that have never been on an investigation or, um, you know, don't really understand what's involved in it. And they sort of look at you like you're slightly insane. And um, (laughs) all the time, all the time. And they say, (laughs) for goodness, I had one person turn around to me. It was I was actually filming. I was on set and I was filming another show. And he was the the main presenter of it. And Mm. we were having like a two minute break, you know, makeup ladies had come in and they it was they give them a, a glass of water and so on and I didn't I'd never really met this celebrity he was you know everybody knows who he is he's incredibly famous but mm. I'd never really spoken to him and he just turned around to me just for no reason whatsoever and he just looked at me in the corner of his out of the corner of his eye and he just went I think what you do is really effing stupid Oh, I've had wow. that. And I've had people like, say that to me. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. How rude. And I had to go and speak to the producer and I said, please don't. I know it's funny and the audience laughed or anything, but promise me you won't put that in. I said, because yeah. that was really rude and really. It's not no, fair. no, no. Yeah. And he was like, no, that was really rude and uncalled for, you know. And um, subsequently, I've never gone back on that show ever since. <laughs> no, I don't blame I don't you. Blame you. <laughs> I, I really don't blame you. But yeah, I've, I've had it. I've had people I mean I actually work in the NHS as 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 my job and I'm not doing this and I've had people tell me I'm an idiot I'm stupid uh what I do is dangerous I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what I'm messing with um you know I've had people hurl all sorts of insults at me I'm a freak all all kinds of things I love yeah I love throwing it back in their face and go what would you say then to um Thomas Edison what would you say to Albert Einstein what would you say and you reel off all that and they go up 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 and they don't know what to say because well why don't you have a chat with them because they believed they believed that there was something else um you know don't be so narrow-minded um wonderful well it sounds to me like you have and just one question when was there a moment obviously let's move the away from the church now because um and if anybody's really interested that i have listened to the to the audio there and, and it really is fascinating you've captured some great stuff um Thank but you. is there a moment or a location where the pair of you have just gone oh my god we need to get out this is really frightening i did yeah i did and it was a place called castle rising castle in kings lynn in norfolk yeah i've heard um, of because- that yeah yeah, yeah, a lot of places that we have investigated have been um, fairly local due to family commitments and yeah. things. But Castle Rising, um, paranormal aside, it's a beautiful place to visit. It really is a very beautiful castle to, yeah. to look around. Yeah. But we investigated that and they let us into the oubliette of the castle, which they don't often open up to the general public. And... I don't usually feel unnerved. Usually I'm I'm pretty sound and and don't get, you know, pretty scared about certain things. But this was the first time I actually stood in this place and I wasn't psyching myself up or anything. And I could literally see something circling us. And there was only a few of us in there. And we were in complete darkness. But the way I would describe it is it was something darker, than the darkness and I could actually see it circling 
I didn't say anything to Nigel because we were in different teams and Nigel was outside the oubliette at the time because we were leading different teams. Can I just interrupt you there? Just yes, to ex- explain what an oubliette is. Normally they're found in oh, castles or places yes. like that. Like a, It's like a dungeon. It actually, it's, it's a French word meaning forget. So they would just yeah. throw, sometimes they'd have big iron spikes down at the bottom. Uh, sometimes mm, there's no. still the original rings on the walls. A very, very small, uh, almost looks like a well, doesn't it? Um, and yes. these bodies were thrown down there and they were just forgotten. So that's what an oubliette is. Sorry yeah. to interrupt Horrible. you. Horrible. You're fine. Horrible way to die. Absolutely. So you can imagine this place is full of misery and all sorts of energies, you mm. know. But, you know, I was I was there and I could see this thing circling in the darkness, which is strange in itself, considering we were in, in the darkness. Didn't say anything to Nigel. And as I came out... Because I really had to step out. You know, I was thinking this is just getting too much. I stepped out with the team. Nigel looked at me and said, is everything okay? Is everything all right? And I went, yes, it's okay. It's okay. Gave him a bit of a funny look. And the next thing, what happened to you, Nigel? I went in with the next group that I was working with. And um, I was filming down there. And I felt something sort of come up behind me. And it just felt really odd. Like Jill said, the atmosphere in there was was very strange anyway. You, you felt, I suppose, because it is a small space, it's going to do that to you. And because you're in the dark, it does make you sense that. And you can be part and parcel of it. The fact that you're sort of in that confined space in the dark is quite frightening. Yeah. But I felt uneasy. I really didn't. And I'm not a psychic by any stretch of the imagination. But I just felt so uneasy and I didn't like it. I felt something come up behind me. And Dave, another guy who's working with another team opposite me, he suddenly saw me just lurch forwards and it felt like something had come up behind me and rammed me in the back, pushed me as hard as it could across the floor towards Dave. And it's honestly the weirdest sensation I've ever felt. It was just like totally unexpected. I looked down at the floor to see if I had sort of stepped on something that was down there, fallen down a step, but the floor was flat. There was no way really that any could get behind me to actually do it, another person, because there were other people in there with us. And they were all accounted for. So I looked around the wall afterwards to see where they all were and think, who pushed me? And mm. there was no one there. Weren't you leaning up against the flint wall as well? I was in back, back was up against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was no gap. Oh, at all. I love it, it when things like happen. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening, it but it, it's it's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was at it. Yeah. Dave said to me, and I, I, I want to get the video off him. I've got to sort of find him again, get the video because he's actually got it on video. He said the look on your face was a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I'd like to be, like I said, with a with my sceptical head on. I can throw some of the stuff out that we've experienced. I can easily say it's this or it's that, but it's those ones that I can't. Those ones well, that I can't get hold of. Here's an example. What about the one we did at D from Green, which is an airbase? Yeah, in here in Norfolk. Yeah, because we're doing a series um, we've had to put on hold because of COVID. We're doing a series called Ghost Airfields, looking at all the old air bases. Yeah, which bit you want to talk about, D from? You need to go to RAF Raynham. Raynham. I'm, I'm- Raynham, I'm West telling Raynham. you, yes, yeah. you need to. It, it, oh my God, amazing, really? yeah. amazing, fantastic phenomena that you wouldn't believe. I mean, proper vo- voice, uh, voice, proper voice, electrical phenomena, where Ooh. they're actually copying what you're saying. And we picked That's it up amazing. and it's, yeah. it's like static right in front of you. Um, yeah. the, uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was just for now. So you must go to RAF Raynham. Okay. Right, put it in the notes, Nigel. That's, that's on the list. <laughs> we'll grab that one. But um, D- from was absolutely fascinating. Um, I went there with, with some friends. Um, you know, they said, oh, Juliet, we know you do paranormal investigation. You know, um, 
let, let, let's go. I know a place called Deepham. I'd, I'd never heard of it. I don't live far away from this place, but I'd never heard of it. Okay, let's go. So half past 11 at night, off we go. They drop me home so I can pick up my kits and power, you know, the usual K2 mm-hmm. meter and all that stuff. Off we go with everything in a bag. And things were happening. We, mm-hmm. we were getting things. I was picking things up. I never in a million years suspected I would. Um, which was fascinating. I reported back to Nigel. I said, hey, Nigel, we've got to check out this place. Check out Defum. Um, and we went there and we did an investigation, which was really interesting. I picked up on a gentleman called Steve. Steve. Now, Steve nowadays is obviously a very common name. But during that time on the airbase, what, there was only... What, there were two. Two Steves? One was ground crew, one was a head crew. There were two guys named Steve, and that's all I could find in the archives. And I picked up on a pilot. He was actually a crew, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Uh, flight engineer. Flight engineer. Yeah. But uh, the thing with he, it is... he used to fly craft. He did used to fly. Oh, he was well. in the planes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you sensed that he was trapped there and you yep. couldn't get away. Um, I researched. I actually managed to find this guy. I found a photo of him. Wonderful. And I then put the photos out. I gave you, uh, it was about three or four, wasn't it? Different pictures of different guys. Yeah. And I said to you, because you'd seen him. Yeah. And I said to you, can you pick your Steve out of these four photos? Yeah. And you did. I, I was I was amazed. It actually made you You traced cry, him back it? to the United States. All the way back to where he came from. Didn't you? His Which college, his home. Absolutely, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful hearing these 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 stories. It really, really is. But we're running out of time, so I just wanted to say. Okay. So, if everybody else listening is like, ah, oh, I really like the sound of this, Nigel Higgins and Juliet Smith. They are, <laughs> as I said at the beginning, they are on their YouTube, um, and their channel is called Out There. They have a podcast uh, entitled exactly the same, Out There. Um, you guys are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing, and if you Thank do you so want to much. share, if you want to share, please um, with the paranormal normal world um then then please get in touch and send over your audio files i'd love to hear more because absolutely fascinating stuff um and just keep doing what you're doing and keep that wonderful enthusiasm going because we need Thank more you. of that in our oh, world yes we, we do so much we absolutely we will do, do. Right. <laughs> love to you both a big hug you and um, stay safe guys you too you take too. care now thank you now let's take a moment with our friend paul to just <sighs> breathe The biggest question I seem to get asked at the moment, how do I stop worrying about what's going on in the world? So the first thing I ask, what do you do in the morning when you first wake? Nine times out of 10 people tell me, they pick up their phone, just see the latest news feed, and there it is. There's a drama in the world somewhere else, in their local community, maybe in their village, and instantly they start to worry and become concerned about it. And what does this do? just generates an ill feeling within us. It upsets our body's natural energy that's supposed to flow and keep us balanced, keep us in harmony, keep us happy. But we choose to read and engage in all the dramas that are going on around the world. So they say, how do I make this change? Biggest suggestion is to leave the telephone downstairs. When you wake and you open your eyes, Just simply to breathe, feel your body. And this reminds me of the first time I experienced yoga, Kriya yoga. I drove a couple of hours to see a teacher miles away, debating, should I go, should I not go? All the reasons not to, what a waste of money it would be, it won't be very good, it won't be this, it won't be that, there I was go. 
into the dramas already. But when I got down there, I took a few breaths with this amazing teacher. Something happened within me. A joy, a happiness, energy was moving through me like I'd never felt before. So when I got home, the first thing I did every morning was to breathe, to feel my body, to feel that happiness that I hold within me. Not hold the dramas of the outside world within me, but hold those nice things that are already in me. And that's always connected to your breath. So maybe just tomorrow, leave your mobile phone downstairs. As soon as you open your eyes, as soon as you open your eyes, don't do anything else. Just sit there and just gently breathe into every part of your body, in through your nose, the soles of your feet, the tips of your fingers, the top of your head. Picture a nice warm sunny beach with some friends. Exhale, breathe out from every part of your body. Still picturing that lovely beach, warm sand beneath your feet. Maybe walking in the woods in nature. And breathe in again. Connect yourself to something that makes you feel good. Empower yourself. And this empowers every cell of your body, bringing happiness, joy, and most of all, a lovely balanced energy within you to then start your day. And take this with you through your whole day, always coming back to your breath, thinking of something warm, something nice, something pleasurable, and keep yourself in this place. But most of all, remember, Paul says, just is there a site that you think we need to cover on the podcast or have an experience in a place we haven't yet spoken about if you have get in touch with us and share your stories at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk we are on whatsapp and here's the phone number 075 and we are on Instagram and our handle is at Paranormal Activity Pod and we shall be back next month with another listener special so keep your eyes and ears peeled stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week but if you can't wait until then visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early have a great week stay safe and remember Things aren't always as they seem. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.